Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In this episode, we go over the topic of urinalysis from the renal section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 22-year-old woman presents with dysuria, pyuria, and increased urinary frequency. She reports her symptoms began approximately two days prior to presentation. She has had similar symptoms five months ago. She is sexually active and uses condoms inconsistently. Physical examination is unremarkable. Urinalysis is positive for pyuria and bacteria. Urine culture demonstrates more than 100,000 colony-forming units or CFUs per milliliter. This is a case of urinary tract infection. Let's now get into the topic. Let's start with an introduction. In terms of process, in a urinalysis, a fresh urine specimen is obtained and subsequently centrifuged. The supernatant is placed in a separate tube. A urine dipstick is placed in the supernatant to analyze for pH, glucose, ketones, nitrite, heme, and protein. The pH should normally be between 5 and 6.5. The clinical correlate here is that a urine pH of more than 7.5 can suggest a urinary tract infection or UTI secondary to urea-splitting microbe. The clinical correlate linked to glucose is that urine glucose can be detected in the urine in poorly controlled diabetes mellitus. The clinical correlate linked to ketones is that urine ketones can be seen in poorly controlled diabetes mellitus. The clinical correlate linked to nitrite is that nitrite can be a reasonably good screening test for UTI. The clinical correlate linked to heme is that heme is typically indicative of blood in the urine. However, the urine can be heme positive in the setting of intravascular hemolysis and rhabdomyolysis. And finally, the clinical correlate linked to protein is that elevated protein in the urine can suggest a nephrotic syndrome. Next, let's talk about specific gravity. Specific gravity reflects the weight of a solution compared to the weight of distilled water. The solution and distilled water must be of equal volume. When the urine contains large solutes, for example glucose, the specific gravity increases. Next, let's discuss urine osmolality. Urine osmolality measures the amount of dissolved particles per unit of water found in urine. Next, let's talk about sediments in the urine. The sediment should be resuspended and then transferred to a slide for analysis. Urine casts represent protein and cell precipitates generated within the tubular lumen. In terms of red blood cells and RBC morphology, dysmorphic RBCs suggest glomerular bleeding. Round and uniform RBCs suggest extra-renal bleeding, for example, ureter and bladder. Seeing white blood cells or WBCs in the urine is termed pyuria and suggests an infection or inflammatory process in the urinary tract. Neutrophils are more commonly seen. Eosinophiluria can be seen in drug-induced acute interstitial nephritis. And lastly, you could even have epithelial cells and crystals in the urine. Let's now talk about the various different urine casts and their associated conditions. RBC casts would be seen in glomerulonephritis, vasculitis, and malignant hypertension. WBC casts would be seen in tubulointerstitial inflammation, acute pyelonephritis, and transplant rejection. Fatty casts would be seen in nephrotic syndrome and, quote, Maltese cross sign. 
granular casts would be seen in acute tubular necrosis. Waxy casts would be seen in end-stage renal disease and chronic renal failure. And finally, hyaline casts are nonspecific. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question, a 52-year-old male presents with several months of fatigue, malaise, dry cough, and occasional episodes of painless hematuria. He recalls having had a sore throat several days prior to the onset of these symptoms that resolved without antibiotics. Physical exam is remarkable for diffusely coarse breath sounds bilaterally. Urinalysis reveals 2-plus protein, 2-plus blood, and numerous red blood cell casts are visible under light microscopy. Which is the most likely diagnosis? 1. Diffuse membranous glomerulonephropathy. 2. Microscopic polyangitis. 3. Focal segmental glomerulosclerosis. 4. Acute post-streptococcal glomerulonephritis. Or 5. Transitional cell bladder carcinoma. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 2, microscopic polyangitis. Red blood cell casts are seen in nephritic syndromes such as microscopic polyangitis. Remember, urinary casts are formed when proteinaceous or cellular matter accumulates in renal tubules and takes the shape of the inside of the tubule. Thus, casts are specific to disease that is present within the kidney as opposed to the bladder or the portions of the urinary tract. The types of casts present in urine can give insight into the disease process affecting the kidney. Red blood cell casts are seen with nephritic syndromes, while fatty casts are associated with nephrotic syndromes. Let's now review two citations related to this topic. Mansi et al. described the clinical presentation of microscopic polyangitis. Microscopic polyangitis is an ANCA-associated vasculitis that primarily affects the small vessels of the lungs and kidneys. As such, it can present with hemoptysis, cough, and hematuria as well as nonspecific symptoms such as abdominal pain. While patients can be positive for both P. anca and C. anca, microscopic polyangitis is classically associated with the presence of P. anca. In the second citation, Brussel's review of pulmonary renal syndromes explains how one can diagnostically differentiate between the immune-related pathologies that classically present with diffuse alveolar hemorrhage and nephritic syndrome. These include vasculitides such as microscopic polyangitis and Wegener's granulomatosis, as well as systemic lupus erythematosus and Goodpasture syndrome. Diagnostic modalities include serologic testing for ANCA proteins and renal biopsy for visualization of glomerular damage and protein deposition via light microscopy, immunofluorescence, and electron microscopy. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choices 1 and 3 are incorrect because diffuse membranous glomerulonephropathy and focal segmental glomerulosclerosis are associated with nephrotic syndrome. RBC casts would not be expected. Answer choice 4, while acute post-streptococcal glomerulonephritis is associated with nephritic syndrome, the time course of the patient's sore throat is not consistent with the onset of his renal and pulmonary symptoms. And finally, answer choice 5 is incorrect because while transitional cell bladder carcinoma may present with gross hematuria, red blood cell casts would not be found in the urine. Next question. 
A researcher is studying the predictive value of urinary sediment in patients with suspected genitourinary tract disease. She has collected urinary samples from all adult patients visiting the emergency department over a one-month period. A significant finding on polarized microscopy of a patient's urine analysis demonstrates the characteristic appearance of urinary fatty casts under polarized light. Note that there is a Maltese cross-appearance of the casts. This finding is most strongly associated with a condition characterized by which of the following findings on light microscopy. 1. Enlarged and hypercellular glomeruli with neutrophilic infiltrate. 2. Extensive tubular epithelial necrosis predominantly in the proximal tubule. 3. Diffuse interstitial mononuclear infiltrate sparing the glomerulus. 4. Crescent moon-shaped glomeruli with monocytes and macrophages. Or 5. Diffuse thickening of glomerular capillaries and basement membrane. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 5, diffuse thickening of glomerular capillaries and basement membrane. Fatty casts in the urine are associated with nephrotic syndromes such as diffuse membranous glomerulonephropathy, which presents with diffuse thickening of glomerular structures on light microscopy. Remember, fatty casts can be identified as refractile fat bodies, often referred to as Maltese crosses. They are lipid-containing casts that are pathognomonic for high urinary protein due to nephrotic syndrome. There are multiple types of nephrotic syndrome, which can be differentiated by light microscopy of a renal biopsy. Diffuse membranous glomerulonephropathy is a form of nephrotic syndrome that is characterized by diffuse thickening of glomerular capillaries and the glomerular basement membrane. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1, enlarged and hypercellular glomeruli with neutrophilic infiltrates are consistent with acute post-streptococcal glomerulonephritis. This condition is a form of nephritic syndrome and presents with red blood cell casts. Answer choice 2, extensive tubular epithelial necrosis predominantly in the proximal tubule is suggestive of acute tubular necrosis or ATN. Muddy brown casts can be seen in patients with ATN. Answer choice 3, a diffuse renal interstitial mononuclear infiltrate sparing the glomerulus is consistent with acute interstitial nephritis, or AIN. White blood cell casts can be seen in patients with AIN. And finally, answer choice 4, crescent moon-shaped glomeruli with monocytes and macrophages are consistent with rapidly progressive crescentic glomerulonephritis, another form of nephritic syndrome. In summary, fatty casts have the appearance of, quote, Maltese crosses and are associated with causes of nephrotic syndrome such as diffuse membranous glomerulonephropathy. And that's all for this review about urinalysis. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from these MedBullets Step 1 podcasts so far, please consider leaving us a 5-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you are not already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.